0: We know that Dan was instrumental in beginning or helping to start the various InsureTech initiatives at his company, which is QBE, and they've done a lot in that regard. Is that correct, Lee?
1: They have. They have uh, really set the bar high uh, to go out there and test a lot of different technologies and processes and platforms, not just in the claim space, but in the underwriting and the sales. The customer engagement in all aspects of uh, QBE, and uh, Dan will speak. I hope a little bit about QBE Ventures, their uh, their arm that goes out and finds new products and then brings them into the organization.
0: Right, and I think it's reflective of the outstanding leadership that they have at QBE, and we get to work with some of those people, and we know some of those people. And uh, Dan is a, I think, a solid representative of what we see. All over at QBE up and down is um, a lot of great people who are thinking about things differently. The bottom line: what we see is is that you kind of have to think differently in this insuretech world to make good use of it.
1: You do, and then and then you also have to be willing to uh to maybe make the wrong decision and move forward from that. So uh, that's really what makes an insuretech leader uh, in our space somebody who's willing to see a you know who who works towards seeing a vision. Moves towards it and then can exit off that ramp if they need to to make another.
0: I agree. So, without further ado, let's go to our first interview with Dan Moore. Good morning, podcast world, and welcome to the premiere episode of FNO. It's a very special day. We're here in Waco, Texas, with my partner in crime, Lee Boyd.
1: Hey there everybody. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful
0: today. Great, great. It's kind of a kind of a rainy looking day, isn't it?
1: It is a little rainy, a little humid today, uh-huh. a little uh-huh. humid.
0: Somebody once said to me about the weather in December in Waco that it can either be 30 degrees or it can be 80 degrees.
1: That is correct. Today's supposed to be almost 80, and then I think on Monday it's supposed to be a uh, you know, 40s. Uh-huh.
0: So Pretty wild. Wild day. Well, we have a very, very special guest with us today, one that we're really excited to have with us and that we've worked hard to get. And that is Mr. Dan Moore. Dan is Senior Vice President and Head of Operations at QBE North America, which is a big job and spans a lot of functional areas. And Dan's consented to be with us today. And Without further ado, let's welcome Dan Moore. Hi, Dan. Morning, guys. How, How are morning?
2: you? Doing fantastic. And yourselves? Just great.
0: Could not be better.
2: Good. Good to hear. Thanks for having me on today.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us. We consider it a privilege to be able to have somebody with as much background as you on our show. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. So let's go right to that. Tell us about what you're doing now and kind of give us a peek of uh, what your
2: job is. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as you mentioned, I'm currently at QBE and I'm the SVP head of operations that's a role that i uh, recently moved into uh, just having finished my uh, my stint as the SVP of claims and transformation so rolling in my claims uh, responsibilities into a broader operational role to pick up uh, the underwriting processing support uh, operations as well as the corporate uh, operations to include real estate you know a lot of system support activities licensing and appointment for agents and continuing of course into the you know the claims activities, but uh, a lot of uh, the corporate uh, type of, uh, operational activities are now within uh, my remit alongside of the claims activities that we were previously doing from a technical and operational perspective. Wow, that sounds like a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. yeah it's a good time.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a lot of stuff to be working on. A lot of disparate
2: parts, but it's really interesting to continue to you know see more and more about how uh, the organization works and how we can effectively deliver uh, insurance solutions for our uh, clients and for uh, our agent broker partners, so it's a great time. How long have you been at QBE? Uh, I've been with QBE for about five years now, and uh, prior to QBE I was uh, with uh, Fireman's Van Allianz in a variety of roles in the high net worth uh, space, uh, claims roles, as well as uh, some corporate roles, uh, including the chief of staff to the CEO for a little while. So it's good, uh, also a great learning experience and opportunity to see how uh, uh, the senior executive team interacts with the board and uh, uh, see how we can deliver uh, for a a really uh, interesting customer segment, which is, of course, the high net worth segment. So that was a lot of fun.
0: I bet that was... (laughs) Very interesting to be able to have a seat, basically at the board level, even though you might not have been a member. Nonetheless, you were a witness to what that was like and and uh, the dynamics involved. I bet you learned a lot from that.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that was one of the uh, the, the peri- you know, a short period of time, uh, time wise in terms of uh, just you know just just about uh, two years, but uh, probably from a learning perspective. Uh, one of the periods where I learned uh, an awful lot about the uh, corporate workings and how uh, governance and uh, boards interact. It was, really was a, a very fascinating uh, learning period for sure. So like most
0: people who end up working in insurance and certainly in claims usually have an indirect path of how they got there. Did you go to school to become an insurance
2: guy? Was that your background or, or how did you end up here? Great question. Uh, I'm probably like most folks uh, in the industry. It was not necessarily my uh, career plan. I certainly didn't go to school for it. Uh, I have an undergraduate degree in comparative literature and uh, and then a little bit later went and completed an MBA while I was uh, uh, mid-career. But uh, uh, I uh, I started my career actually uh, as a management consultant and uh Really, uh, after a, f- a number of years of doing that, uh, a variety of different clients, including insurance clients on the healthcare and the the c side of the house, uh, needed to uh, have a bit of a lifestyle change. Traveling two hundred and fifty days a year uh, is not a sustainable thing to do with a, a young family for, for too long. So, uh, I had the opportunity to jump into industry, and one of the nice things about you know being able to move from consulting to industry is. Is an opportunity to eat your own cooking, so to speak. A lot of times, uh, you know, when when you're with consultancy, you're giving a lot of advice and uh, whatnot. But uh, the folks that are left uh, running the day-to-day operations and inside the company are the ones who are oftentimes left with uh, dealing with the recommendations or the solutions that were implemented. and, And as a consultant, you're moving on to the next thing. So it was a really great opportunity to to be able to apply the. The advisory experience that I had had in a consultancy role with the operational uh, challenges of living with it on a day-to-day basis of of, of your decisions and the things that were implemented. So that was a a great opportunity for me to kind of put it into practice on a daily basis. So what was your first job in insurance? Uh, Great question. Technically, I guess my first job in insurance was while I was in college. Uh, I worked pretty much full-time through college, and I worked for a startup company, actually, Uh, that was ahead of its time i think timing you know maybe maybe we'll talk a little bit later in the session about how timing really is an important aspect to a lot of the things that we do especially in the insurance tech space but uh, it was a startup company that was doing one of its key products or opportunity products was a online rating of uh, policyholders personalized policyholders that was then trying to sell those leads to uh, agents online right in an online marketplace and uh, uh, you know, interestingly enough, that was over 20 years ago, right? And uh, uh, today, that would probably make all of us billionaires in the insure, insure tech or you uh, know <laughs> online world, right? Uh, back then, it just made us uh, you know basically uh, have have a product that didn't quite get gain enough traction, wound up getting bought out by somebody uh, for, for not a lot of money. But that was a great experience to really uh, you know start getting better understanding about. The insurance industry, and then of course, uh, you know, some insurance clients, both healthcare and PNC, and the consulting space. Post college and post consultancy, uh, I, I moved uh, into a role uh, doing uh, process improvement within a claims organization, and so the opportunity there was to really take a look at the claims process and identify opportunities to make improvements to that, whether that was a process improvement, a technology improvement whatever the case may be, in order to improve the customer service that we were delivering, the effectiveness of the claims outcome, or the efficiency of uh, the work that was being done. So really a great opportunity to have an influence across the life cycle from first notice of loss through conclusion of the claim.
0: So you're not like me. You're not a classical claims guy, as we would say in our industry, right? You didn't come up through the field. You're a business guy. Business guy, yeah. Who was in the claims department? That, that would be a true statement, yeah. Uh huh. And it's not necessarily the typical path in the claims world for those of you who are not in the claims world.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of times you find folks who are you know good at as a claim support person, so they get promoted into an, a, an entry level adjuster job, and then an entry level adjuster gets good at doing that job, and they get promoted into a mid level adjuster and Good mid-level adjusters, you know, either start off then into the more technical track and become, you know, more senior adjusters with larger exposures, or or they maybe move into the management track where they start managing a, a supervising a team of adjusters doing similar work to what they were doing. And that's you know, and then it just kind of kind of builds from there. And so a lot of folks in the claim space have that kind of uh, classical, uh, you know, manage the work that you just did, or best adjuster kind of moves up kind of concept. Uh, Whereas, you know, as you point out, my background's been a little more the the classical business background, right, in terms of uh, a broader view of uh, of the opportunities in the world there.
0: Right. I first met you, you were at Fireman's Fund. Correct. And we met for about 15 seconds in a lobby, because you were a big shot, and I was just somebody trying to sell you guys something. And uh, you had no time for me, but I'm glad you made some time today. I couldn't miss that opportunity to give you a little bit of a hard time. Yeah, I, uh, I guess I don't remember that. <laughs> uh, just, just teasing. Of course, yeah, we know we had a... Of course you do. Of course, you do. <laughs> of, course <you> do. <laughs> of course you do. And then the second time I met Dan Moore, we were outside in St. Louis, and it was about five degrees outside. I'm dying from cold, and he's standing out there in a shirt only with his sleeves rolled up, completely comfortable. So that was always made a big impression on me. Sometimes you gotta roll your sleeves up and get the work done, you know. Oh, there. Ooh, that was that. that was a great transition. Thank you. Speaking of rolling your sleeves up, you mentioned claims transformation. Can you define that for us quickly and help us understand what that means? Sure, absolutely.
2: I think that you know. So, so frankly, that word is probably one of the most misused and misunderstood words, probably or maybe. Broadly used words uh, in business today, and I think it means a different thing for everybody who uses it. So it's probably a little bit of a challenge to, to do that. But uh, uh, you know, for QBE in North America uh, specifically, what it's meant is really how do we think about you know, evolving our capabilities and making our organization, claims organization, fit for purpose along what we're calling the claims triangle, which is you know a more efficient process. A more effective outcome and a uh, a more customer centric point of view right so how do we balance those those three interests and and how do we change and modify our operations our technology our approach to help ensure that we're providing the best claims outcome we can and and being able to assist uh, our policyholders in their time of need and so you know that that includes a variety of things, right it may it may mean that we're optimizing some of our support portfolio with respect to who some of our support providers are, whether it's some field support in the in the mitigation space or whether it's some of our you know uh, law firm p- panels or how we're thinking about providing uh, legal litigation management services it also means thinking about uh, how we're effectuating some of our field services, right so Lot of appraisal space and you know, property uh, IA space. Uh, rethinking how do we uh, how we go about doing those activities, right? And so we really look at a lot of ways to transform, if you will, the process and the technology and that are supporting those uh, those operations in a way to to improve those outcomes. And so I think about in a lot of ways thinking about how do we look at you know whether it's taking friction out of the process, and so that friction could be you know. Time requirements, right? You know, we, does it take two weeks to get somebody to come out and look at something because of all of the the machinations related to you know, scheduling and appointments and phone calls, etc.? You know, that could be uh, space requirements, right? You know, oftentimes you can know, only do certain kinds of activities in certain spaces, and you know, when we talk about digital and the digitization of American business, you know, there's a lot of things that you used to only be able to do at a certain location, right? You know, you used to be able to only uh, get a McDonald's sandwich if you were at McDonald's. Now you can get a McDonald's sandwich through your app delivered to you in in any different location. So how do we think about applying that to the the claims experience where we can do different things without being in a certain location? Uh, And so there's just lots of those kinds of aspects that are kind of tied up in transformation, if you will.
0: So... That kind of brings us around to the you know, our main topic that we're trying to get to and, and talk about and that's insure tech and all things insure tech. So certainly the infusion, the increased infusion of technology and digitization into insurance plays a key role in claims transformation, yes.
2: Yeah, I think there's you know, I, I think there is definitely a role for insure tech and for technology. So, you know, certainly the you know, the advent of Things like uh, you know smartphones, which put you know more computing power than sent the man to the moon, and the palm of your hands, that changes the game, right? And there's lots of capabilities that we're able to do as, as technology advances to enable the uh, the claims process to uh, to leverage that, right? You know, I think it's you know I'm always a little cautious, and I know we'll talk about claim and you know, insure tech as a focus, but you know, one of the, the cautionary notes is always to just say that. Uh, at the end of the day claims is still an emotional experience right and it's uh, there's always opportunity to improve the human side the process side and to really recognize that emotional support and connection that's needed at the time of a loss because it is an emotional experience but there's so many ways that technology can support the human element of the the activity right in ways that the technology can foster increased trust in the carrier and in, in, in the process Increased support for the the, the policyholder or claimant that's in the process of having a claim, and really that's where I think the the, the the opportunity for technology exists is to to support that human element, to accelerate that process, and to really assist uh, in a better uh, customer experience and a better uh, a more efficient effective outcome for the uh, for the policyholder.
0: Right, and I love that the whole idea of that claims is an emotional experience. And often technology is not an emotional experience. So no matter how much we can evolve the claim function, it's at the bottom of it or at the top of it or at the start of it, it's an emotional experience for the insured. And so marrying all those things together is not easy. And sometimes there's components that you can, like you were talking earlier about friction, there's things that you can maybe take out of the process to make things to have less friction in it, but it might not be conducive to a good customer experience.
2: Yeah. You know, the goal at the end of the day is to restore individuals and businesses to their pre-loss condition uh, as quickly and as efficiently as possible for covered losses. Right. And so, uh, you know, I think that therein lies the, uh, pr- you know, how we apply technology, how we, how we make those changes and do so in a way that, uh, that continues to support uh, them being able to have the confidence to pursue their dreams as it relates to their lives or their businesses, uh, knowing that they're covered by a carrier who will uh, be behind them in the covered, covered loss scenario.
1: Right. I was listening to you talk about claims transformation and really focusing on bettering the product, making sure that the customer is engaged everything like that. And it got me thinking about insure tech companies and insured tech as a whole. A lot of times we look at insured tech as a neat, shiny object. It's a new process. It's a new technology that we can bring into our company and kind of wow our customers or our clients. It really sounds as though you look at insured tech in a different way than some companies. You look at insured tech as a way to really streamline your operation To better your operation or to make it leaner am i correct am i thinking there
2: well yeah so i think it's a fair question lee i mean i I think we're looking at it across all three aspects of the of the triangle right the reality is whether people realize it or not you know insurance clients pay for the expense of operating an insurance company right so we have an obligation to be efficient and in what we do Uh, at the same time we have an obligation you know efficient could be a very unsatisfactory customer experience right and so we need to make sure that we balance that i think the truly great solutions are the ones that deliver on all three aspects of the claims triangle and are ones that that allow us to not only be not only be more efficient not only allow us to more accurately assess the loss but also are ones that create a better customer experience right and those are not mutually exclusive and i think sometimes we get caught in the trap of either or instead of saying and. And there are ways, uh, you know, it's certainly solutions that allow us to, to do and, right? We think about some of the things that we're doing, for example, in the property space, we, you know, we're able to cut out, you know, cutting out uh, excess time in that process, uh, cutting out excess visits and things like that. That does produce a more efficient process, but at the same time, it also produces a more customer-friendly experience, Right. No one says, oh, golly, I I really want to spend three or four days trading voicemails with somebody to set up an appointment, right? That's not a customer-friendly experience. And so the ability to, whether it's to deploy video or photos via the customer or via someone who's uh, dispatched to to do that on their behalf uh, without having to necessarily have a full appointment with a field adjuster, those are opportunities to not only be more efficient, but also to really drive a customer-centric outcome. And those are some of the things that we see uh, positive returns on, both uh, from an efficiency but also from a customer perspective, and then getting the loss, uh, loss accurately evaluated.
1: So that one actually brings up a great question into the, the customer engagement. A lot of insurtech companies can help the customer get a claim done quicker, faster. Maybe another one can be more accurate and then there's other ones that really help engage the customer and keep them in the loop. Maybe that's a text message devices or notifications. In your opinion, what do you think gives the customer the best experience? A quicker claim or keeping them engaged throughout the
2: claims process? Oh, that's a great question. I would always opt for keeping them engaged, right? I, mean, I do think that, you know, no customer is going to be super happy about a really simple claim taking a really long time, Right. So it's probably not, you know, no such thing as either or. But in a scenario where you have a choice of being completely blind for a little while and having a resolution or, or having some clear steps and clear communication as to where it's at, I, I opt for clear communication. You know, I think there's a lot of ways to do that. And no one customer is the same. I think that's another thing that's interesting. I think a lot of times we, we lump everybody into buckets, right? We say, well, everybody wants to text today. Well, the reality is, is there are lots of customers who want to text, and there are also lots of customers who still want to call. And to presume that we know better than our customers is always a bit of a challenge. So the, the real opportunity is to create options for customers. So, you know, whether, whether it's if you want to call, we'll be here, right? If you want to email, we'll be here. If you want to text, we'll be here. And I think uh, that's the opportunity. Uh, and, and we're in sure tech, you know, in, in technology in general, enables that, right? So, you know, one of the things that we're currently doing right now is an AI-enhanced text uh, capability that also allows us to meet our insureds where they want to be with respect to texting, uh, supports, you know, basic inquiries that that can be answered from an AI perspective, but also allows for folks to still engage via the phone as need be. And, And that came about, you know, Quite honestly, in a scenario where one of our commercial clients had a had a large fire loss, our adjuster was trying to get a hold of them. Their voicemail box was full, presumably because everybody was uh, wanting updates and whatnot from this site manager, and we just couldn't get a hold of them. And so our adjuster took it upon themselves, rightly so, with great great uh, you know ownership of the situation, and, and texted them on their personal phone. Right and got a response immediately. And so that identified our opportunity, and so we were able to leverage that into a a corporate texting platform, which allowed for us to be able to uh, do that. Now, you know, does everybody want to use it? No, and and does it necessarily mean that we're faster? Yeah, it certainly means we're faster in some scenarios, and it also means in other scenarios we're able to be more effective at keeping people uh, informed. So I don't know. You you guys see a lot of clients uh, in your space. What are you guys seeing? Are you guys seeing folks about valuing speed over keeping people informed or, or, or vice versa?
1: I am seeing a lot of everything. Right now, communicating with the status of the claim is very, very important. I, I want to go back to that AI piece that you were talking about with the uh, chatbots and things. I like to look at other industries. I like to see what are they doing uh, in this space. And I was recently on a chat with Home Depot. And Home Depot uses a platform just like that. I was able to go to their website. I had a warranty call on my refrigerator, and uh, I needed to check the status. So they said you could do a live chat. Well, in the live chat, I can chat, presumably with a bot, uh, to answer the upfront question of what's going on, and it could answer. It then had the option of going to a live person, but then the whole time I had the option of calling and talking on the phone to a another human so it was really neat. They were meeting me where I wanted to be at that moment. So if I wanted to chat you know, while I was you know, watching TV, I, I could do that. But if I needed to actually get more information via voice, I could do that as well. And I've, I'm starting to see a lot more companies do that. I'm also starting to see a lot more companies uh, use that at the beginning of the claims process saying, how do you want to be communicated with? voicemail, you know, through voice, through text, through email. And I think that's great. So the addition of the AI pieces is really neat.
0: You know, you asked the question, what do we think? And, you know, for those listeners who don't know, we're in the independent adjusting space. So we're, the main work that we do at our company is claims and property claims. And keeping the customer informed, we believe, is the number one formula for success. Yeah, Absolutely. Managing expectations is critical because when people know, they're just happier and less tension, less anxiety, less need to escalate when they're informed. And uh, I recently read a J.D. Power study that tied the most successful insurance companies on the claim side, the most successful, the highest rated customer satisfaction companies To their ability to keep people engaged and informed it's not terribly complicated idea
2: it's hard to execute right and i do there is a threshold right there is a threshold at which you know keeping me informed for two years on a simple loss is just not acceptable but you're right i mean i think folks are relatively tolerant as long as they know where things are and things seem to be progressing i also think that you know it it needs to show progress right keep me up Pinging people regularly with no update, you know, keeping them informed that nothing has moved forward, uh, quickly becomes a frustrating scenario. So it is around, you know, uh, keeping people informed, keeping people apprised of it. They're relatively tolerant of some knowing that there's a process that has to happen. As long as that process is a reasonable duration, and you know, and you keep them informed to know what to expect, if it falls within, you know, some some reasonable parameters, I think. that satisfier is really knowing that you have not forgotten about me and you're continuing to move my case forward.
0: I recently had an experience on the auto side. Um, my car had a little uh, body work that needed to be done. There was a little accident. I took it in the body shop, filled out the forms, and left it there. It was maybe on a Friday. And they said, we expect it to be done next Friday. Well, on Monday, I get a text message from them in the afternoon that said, Just want to update you on your car. We started working on it today, and it is 12% completed. On Tuesday, I get another text message that says, still looking good for Friday. We're now 43% complete on your car. And as it stands right now, we don't see any problems with meeting our timeline. Another one on Wednesday, another one on Thursday that says, come on in tomorrow. Your thing will be ready. I mean, you know, they set my expectations, they met a speed parameter like what you're saying, and I was in the loop the whole time. There's no way I would take my car anywhere next time but there.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's a great example, right? You know, I think it's interesting. You know, a number of years ago, and, and uh, man, we're probably talking 10 years ago now, maybe even longer, there was an early stage when, you know, I guess back then we would call, it wasn't called InsurTech, but I guess we'd be an InsurTech solution. Uh, they used to take photographs of the car in varying stages of disrepair throughout the, the, the repair cycle. It's a great, great concept, right? And I think what it did, though, is it probably showed a little too much of the sausage-making process, right? No one likes to see their uh, their car in, in pieces and parts across strewn across the shop floor. So what I love about your example is uh, it took the idea of giving updates, right, and gave the right amount of information. Sometimes it's easy to overshare uh, you know and so maybe sharing photos of the vehicle screw across the shop was oversharing status of the auto plane whereas you know, what you're saying is that uh, hey look you know we're, we're progressing you know the target of Friday still looks good you' get, you're getting good information that's meaningful it's not creating anxiety because you're not seeing uh, too much of the process you're seeing just enough to keep you informed and engaged in that process uh, so I think that's uh, an important aspect to, To think about is that there are varying degrees of keeping people informed and we need to make sure we find the right amount to instill confidence, let them know where there are real true snags, but not unduly create anxiety by things that are routine and natural throughout the process of the claim. So let's dig a
0: little further into insure tech. Sure. When I use that term, give me a down and dirty definition as in your view as a carrier person. How do you define it? What's InsureTech?
2: Probably is uh, depends on who you ask, right? I mean, if you're asking somebody in the, in the claim space, they'll have probably a more claim-centric answer. If you're asking somebody in the distribution or the front-end space, you may have a different answer. And certainly, VCs and startup companies may have yet a different answer, right? I, mean, I would say it's the application of new technology to uh, disrupt or modify all or parts of the insurance value chain, right? So you have scenarios like classic, you know, my talk's about Lemonade, right? Which is uh, obviously an insure tech company, but disrupting the entire stack, if you will. You know, and there's other examples in that space, Hippo being another one. And then there are point solutions, right? And so there are folks who are doing things very specifically around telematics, you know, either from an underwriting standpoint or claims that data standpoint or combination of the both. And then there are folks who are, you know, very focused on uh, claims-only solutions, right? And so I think they span across that entire value chain, but it's really how do we take technology, you know, and that technology takes a lot of different forms, whether that's mobile technology, uh, you know, analytics, AI, the the leveraging of data, which, you know, uh, the use of data is only increasing and going to increase to really change that value chain, right? And so from a claims perspective, talk about how do we change our value chain as it relates to what we're delivering so whether that's you know modifying how we think about fNOL and leveraging you know for example existing stores of third-party data to augment fNOL whether that's being you know proactive uh, fNOL by by virtue of being able to know in advance where losses happened in a catastrophe scenario so we can proactively reach out to policyholders and let them know that they that they may have evacuated but we're aware that they've experienced a loss based on on available imagery or other data so all the way through the you know the more processes and the evaluation investigation spaces you know whether it's uh, use of video and photographs to be able to do some more remote or virtual activities all of those are parcel of I think insuretech tech so a broad definition of course but that's how I think about it
1: I would agree with you. it's a very wide range and hits a lot of things and a lot of aspects. I'm interested in your view or thoughts on specific companies related to the claims introtech world. I know that there's lots of conferences out there that focus on introtech. There's a lot of times that a lot of companies who really just deal with that, and I'm curious. If there's anything you've come across that you like that maybe you think are game changers or can actually be implemented.
2: Great question. So I'll maybe stay away from specific companies per se and just talk about some of the capabilities that I think are are game changers, right? Uh, For for a variety of reasons. I think there are, I think chatbots and texting, I think is a game changer for insurance companies uh, in the claims process. Uh, You know, think about just the process of exchanging information and we're on a continuum. I think about this continuum, and we often think that, oh, you know, insure tech or digitization is relatively new. But if you think about it, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you know, you might have even had to go to your insurance agent's office to file a claim, right? And you could only do so nine to five on Monday through Friday. And then all of a sudden, they had this advent called, a, you know, a first notice of loss call center, right? That allowed you to call it in, and that allowed you to do it from wherever you were, and maybe it still had restricted hours, and we're just on a continuum, right? So the uh, the advent of texting and whatnot allows for folks to to maybe be in the middle of a a meeting or be in the middle of some other activity and continue to have communication and interaction with their insurance adjuster uh, to progress the claim forward. They don't have to stop what they're doing, make a phone call, take a phone call. Those are huge, right? You know, we, we see some, for example, in our scenario, some of the, uh, the inquiries coming in uh, maybe after hours for some of our adjusters. The ability for, and it's limited at this point in time, and I think it will only grow, but the ability for the, for some of the AI answers to happen, uh, you know, after hours is powerful, right? And so there's opportunities to, to, to do this. So I think that's that's certainly one of them. Imagery is another. I think there's a huge, uh, huge, huge transformation that happens with imagery and and you tie that with AI. Uh, I I think for for a lot of folks, the ability to take photographs, everybody has a a camera in their hand nowadays and the ability to take photos and videos and be able to stream that to somebody who has a specific expertise uh, or to an application that has a specific uh, AI expertise. So stream that to uh, AI application that has uh, that expertise is powerful, right? Uh, and allows for us to to be able to do things that otherwise might take a lengthy period of time, do them in hours, minutes, uh, in some cases, even seconds, right? Uh, you know, and there's lots of things. So, so there's lots of those kinds of capabilities. You know, drones obviously change the game a, a lot, you know, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, safety for claims professionals being on roofs, uh, but, but also for just completeness, right? The ability to fly a very exact and precise Route over a roof allows for a hundred percent evaluation coverage, uh, as opposed to you know somebody manually doing that. So there's lots of lots of lots of those types of technologies. I think are, are game changers for the the claim space.
0: You know, one of the things that we know about you is that you are an aggressive executive, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean it in that you're willing to move forward with ideas and concepts that might challenge the status quo, that might take things in a different direction. And I'd even go as far as saying, from our experience, you you have a willingness to, uh, to even fail, to try something that's new, innovative, and makes sense. That seems very applicable to this world that we're talking about, to the world of insure tech, that I think uh, for many carriers, and in the insure tech makes them uncomfortable, it's aggressive, it's risky. How have you been able to navigate around that?
2: I think a couple things. One, it's the support of a great organization that recognizes that innovation is important and that the timing may not always be right. I talked about timing in the beginning of the cast, right? And, you know, the reality is, is, you know, the first smartphone was not an iPhone, right? It was not even a BlackBerry for that matter. Yet the option rate really only happened when the time was right. And you can go through a variety of technology, I mean, whether it was the example of my online, uh, yes. online marketplace uh, over 20 years ago for insurance leads or, or, or whether it's smartphones, uh, the, the timing has to be right. And so you know, I think you know, one of the things is I have the benefit of a, of a really supportive organization that recognizes that we need to be in the game in order for us to be able to meet, to find when the timing is right. And so that means there'll be some things that we try that we might be too early on. It means that there may be some things that the adoption rate just isn't quite where we would want it to be, or, or the technology hasn't advanced enough, but we always are learning and always are growing from that. And, and even when we maybe uh, find something that didn't quite work the way we thought it would, it gives us other areas within our operation that we can look to improve, and so I think that's first and foremost. I mean, we're very fortunate to be have within the QBE family a QBE Ventures team, which has you know. Uh, tens of millions of dollars to go out and uh, par- and invest and partner with startups who are looking to disrupt the space. And so we've got a number of investments that we've made uh, across the life cycle, particularly in some AI space and some, some space associated with uh, policy work in terms of evaluating and reading policies and ensuring consistency across that. So there's, so there's a lot of opportunity there. And so I think that that's first and foremost. The second piece is I guess for me, just knowing that, and I liked the example that Lee Lee shared about Home Depot, as an insurance industry, we're not always the cutting edge. In fact, we're we're probably a little bit uh, behind the times as it relates to digitization and and adopting a lot of these technologies. So there's always things that we can learn from other places that are doing things that maybe already have that adoption rate. And so as Lee talks about, and I I think you're spot on, I look a lot to other industries to see what folks are doing and where they've had success and then try to, you know, ensureify what that looks like, right? How do we apply that to our industry? How do we apply that to our processes and be creative about it? And, and then and doing so, that helps mitigate a little bit of the, the, the timing risk, right? Because it's something that whether it's Amazon, Zappos, Home Depot, I mean, whoever it is who's already digitized a process that's similar to yours, you're already able to see if the timing is right on that front, so...
0: And we've seen that from QBE that you guys are clever, I think, in how you use it and how you go about it and how you implement it. And it probably is a function of the organization and the culture, right? I mean, you have to have a culture that welcomes it or encourages it. We had an experience recently where we did a pilot and it was a complicated pilot and a technology pilot with a carrier. And Honestly, it failed. And it's a funny thing because everybody up front says, it's fine to fail. We'll learn if we fail. Until you fail. True. <laughs> and then, it, was, and then it, wasn't so, it wasn't so okay. And so how do you deal with that? How do you get around that? How do you balance those uh, opposing forces?
2: One, I think that's, you know, not uncommon for folks to say it's okay to fail and, and maybe not be so okay if it actually happens. Sometimes people say things they don't necessarily mean, but I would say, I guess, a couple things, right? One, we are fortunate to have, a, you know, both a, a good corporate culture that supports that, uh, as well as within the claims space, a, a really solid claims team. You know, our team, the individuals and in the the vendor management the procurement the technical operations space the ops space the the field the field teams all are aligned around willingness to try new things willingness to experiment new you know experiment learn uh, and change on the fly right and i think that's the other aspect of it is, is when something isn't quite working everybody on our team is really open to saying okay this isn't quite what we expected can we pivot slightly or significantly to try to get a different outcome that's closer to what we thought about uh, so i think that's a huge testament to our team and our people that can do that secondly i guess that the other piece of it is is you know thinking about you know spreading your bets and trying small things you know it, it's one thing to fail on a small trial it's another thing to have spent you know 5 million dollars on something and have it blow up right if you prove, in Skunk Works, if you proved out a concept didn't work, and you spent you know, I don't know what the, you know, a reasonable number of dollars, you know, small ten, fifteen grand on something, and it didn't work out, you know, no one's going to be too upset. If you spent fifteen million on something and it didn't work out, you're going to have some explaining to do, right? And rightfully so, because I think there's some some proving out that you probably missed about your process. So I think it's around making lots of small bets, learning from all of the bets. And then deciding which bet, you know, panned out the best and moving forward with that. In some cases, that means betting, making the same bet with different players, right? So maybe you want to think about how you're using AI in in imagery or video, right? You, You may actually do a pilot with more than one supplier in that space to see who has a better solution for your company and for what you need to do. And that allows you then to also have some understanding of, of how you might hedge your bets and get the right outcome for you, but also, quite honestly, for the, uh, the insured tech firm, right? I think it's a challenge for the firm to have a, a failure as well in the pilot scenario. So you want their investment to match yours and be uh, something that, that's successful for both of you. I mean, how did you guys feel after investing your time and energies into a pilot that didn't work out? You felt kind of frustrated, I'm sure. So Yeah, well, devastated. Yeah, devastated, right, frankly.
0: Right. You get a high-profile stage, Absolutely. you want to succeed. But you know that's part of the world we're in. Lee and I had an opportunity recently to go to the insuretech conference, which was great. We really enjoyed it. And one of the things that I came away with from that was that a lot of the insuretech companies, they're technology companies. They're not insurance companies or traditional insurance vendors to the insurance industry so their knowledge and depth of understanding of the insurance industry might be kind of shallow and i think that that's kind of part of the inherent struggle of adopting the technology specifically into the insurance space sometimes and i think that you that's some of the work that you've done like you were just saying you look to other spaces and can you take that and bring it into our space but then you get back around to one of the things that she said, and that is is that a claim is emotional experience.
2: Oh, yeah. So, uh,
0: you know, having a claim isn't exactly like buying a refrigerator.
2: But, you know, there are, there are obviously some similarities. I mean, I guess I would say when you talked about the tech conferences and whatnot, having uh, been in the, the dot-com industry in the 2000s, there are times that I feel a little deja vu-ish, right, about some of that, where you've got a lot of money flowing in to support people with ideas that are interesting, but some of whom have insurance experience, some of whom don't have insurance experience. There's a wide variety. I think we have to be careful to not dismiss individuals who have creative ideas that are that don't have insurance expertise, because I think there will be disruption that comes from those folks. But at the same time, there will also be a lot of money poured into ideas that, frankly, won't survive the test of time, either for timing reasons or lack of understanding of the industry. There's a lot of reasons for that, but I definitely feel a little bit of deja vu around some of that right now.
1: (laughs) Right. And that really talks to the timing, you know, because we were at InsurTech two years ago and there were some really awesome companies with fantastic ideas that you thought, yeah, okay. And then the next year they're not there. And you think, well, if I would have gone with them two years ago, it, it wouldn't have been here because I didn't really think out the process. I didn't think out how I would use them. And that's all about the timing. And we've struggled in our industry a lot of saying, that's a neat, shiny object. Let's put it to work whenever it maybe it wasn't quite the right time because it wasn't thought out and the process wasn't built or designed or maybe pushed in, in the right direction. So I think timing is really a, a big key to the intra tech world itself. And, you know, all of this goes into a question that I have for you. And I can tell a lot of insured tech really for you focuses around customer engagement. You're interested in how do we keep the customer engaged? How do we help them? How do we communicate? How do we better their process? I am curious, what is on your wish list for an insured tech company? In insured tech, we have a lot of times uh, one solution. They fix one problem, uh, one company to one problem. If you were out in the insured tech world, what do you wish somebody would come up with to better oh, wow. your product
2: you're going to force my hand to divulge my uh my secret investment <laughs> opportunity no i'll i'll i'll, I'll, you. I'll you. Sorry. perhaps
0: so <laughs> well if it would make us a lot of money then we can take this offline
2: yeah <laughs> yeah I'd take it offline right if i had that silver bullet i would be in a different space but uh, you
0: wouldn't be talking to
2: us on this podcast i think you know I'm okay right now with introtech solutions off not trying to be all things right now. I think a lot of these a lot of these firms are still still working on figuring out how to offer one thing really well. and so to do more than one, I mean I think in some cases is uh, starts to stretch some of their capabilities a little thin. I'm always in the space of any tool, and I guess what what I look at is any tool that supports, My claim professionals being able to have more time or ability to support my policyholders and agent broker partners, right? Uh, And so when I think about, you know, things like chatbots and texting, and that's really about, you know, making that communication more streamlined and more speedy. When I think about, you know, AI or decision support tools, that's really about empowering claim professionals to be able to make decisions more quickly with more information. That's what I would be, would be building if I were out there building something. How do I support uh, the individuals to move them up the value chain, right? There are certain things that, that, that machines just do better, right? And, and we need to be cognizant of that, you know was was having a conversation the other day with somebody about robotic, you know, RPA type, you know, robotic process automation as it relates to data entry and whatnot. And we were having a conversation and I said, look, you know, data integrity and accuracy is a customer service issue, right? Nobody wants to see their name misspelled or, or first name in all caps, last name not in caps, you know, fat fingering of data transfer between systems. That, that, that causes problems. And frankly, People are not the best at doing that all the time, right? But a system, you know, an RPA approach can really you know, ensure a high degree of consistency in data transfer. But what what that does is then it means that the you know you have a choice there, right? In my scenario, that means then that the claim professional has more time uh, to explain. The resolution of your claim to you, right? They have more time to listen to your concerns about the scenario. They have more time to reach out and talk to you and create that connection so that you feel like, you know, your personal life and your business will be back on track in a way that's positive, right? And so to me, that's where if I were, in, you know, starting up an insured tech company, I'd be looking for ways to free up uh, claim professionals to spend more emotional time with policyholders building that connection of trust and providing guidance to them, whether it's a business or a personal line's loss. What about you guys? What you, I mean, you know, what would you guys build if you were building something? Good question.
1: Yeah, it really is. I, uh, yeah, you know, I guess I probably should have been thinking about that after I asked you the question. I think for us there's really ways to integrate more systems together in a better right. method. We want to be able to get the data that we need instantly. Let it be from prior losses or let it be from aerial imagery or let it be from uh, reporting from governments on fire reports or things like that. More of a turnkey solution to where we could get more data related to a property quicker. I think that would be a very nice intro tech company to have.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I've thought about is it would be interesting to see more specific solutions offered by one house than, you know, one of the things that we are challenged by is, is that every single solution is represented by a different company, a different organization. And when you're trying to use several simultaneously, it means that you could have, you know, four partners, on a project or a pilot, five partners, depending on, you know, what you're trying to do. And that's probably as the industry matures, you'll see that companies that offer several solutions together or a suite of solutions instead of just, you know, a single source or a single solution. That is.
2: Um, Yeah. as Well, I suspect, you know, I mean I think right now you see a proliferation of folks offering similar solutions. Right. And so you know, I expect, you know, having, going back to my dot com deja vu comment, I think you'll see a couple things, right? And I'm not a VC guy, but, uh, but I've lived, it, lived this before in prior life uh, outside of the insurance space. I think you'll see the fact that there's a hundred chatbot companies is not sustainable, right? That, that there will be a consolidation of common capabilities being offered, but that'll consolidate down to a much smaller number. And then I think, you know, to your point, They'll start to see consolidation across capabilities where folks are offering more solutions. Now that they've matured, right, start to see uh, consolidation across capabilities where folks are adding capability A, B, and C into an integrated offering as opposed to three standalone companies offering discrete services. I think that's uh, about maturing and about timing in large part.
0: Right. You made a comment to me recently that really struck me, and that was basically—I'm paraphrasing what you said—that there's going to be less insure tech disruption than we think could happen in the next couple of years, but more insure tech disruption than we expect in in the long run in the next ten years.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that's in general, right? Just as we close this out,
0: give us your thoughts on that.
2: So I think that's not unique to insure tech, right? Just take it personal, you know, a personal example for a moment, right? You know, and many of you may have children, right? But when you look at, you know, year to year, the change that happens with your kid, it's not all that significant, right? I mean, the difference between five and six is not significant, right? But the difference between five and 15, huge, right? Huge. And so in the evolution of business and in technology and society at large, I think that same principle applies, right? It's evident to me that there's a lot of hype still around InsurTech, right? And there's a lot of people who are wanting to do things and trying things. And there's a lot of promise yet unfulfilled. And I suspect that uh, in the next one year or so, this scenario doesn't change significantly, right? It's we, we find ourselves next year probably in a forward space but not leapfrogged space. In ten years, I suspect we will look back and say, Man, I couldn't even imagine where we are now. I mean and you think about the iPhone. The iPhone's not been around all that long, but the iPhone has dramatically changed the ability to, to have digital and mobile business interactions in a relatively short space of time. Year one of the iPhone was not all that's significant. Year 10 of the iPhone, significantly different. So, so I think that principle applies across a lot of different examples. And so I expect that to be the case here as well. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think that's great. Hey, you know, we are thrilled that you gave us some time today. How can we thank you? How can we repay you for that? Give me an idea.
2: Uh, You know, just uh, keep doing innovative things and uh, keep advancing the marketplace forward and providing solutions for carriers and for customers, and we'll do well.
0: Well, thanks. I mean, I appreciate that encouragement. We're trying to do that, and uh, we appreciate innovative companies like yours who are trying all kinds of interesting stuff. And it's great to see the profile of a company like QB raised up so high by by the innovation that you guys have adopted. I mean, it, it certainly is somebody who works with lots of carriers. It's very impressive. And we appreciate that. Would you come back and join us again?
2: Absolutely. I'd love to.
0: Same pay package next time as this time, though. I just want you to know.
2: <laughs> Free is always good, my friend. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dan. We Be really welcome. appreciate it. Thank Bye you. <laughs>